0: Welcome to Mastery Money, the Educator's Edition, where we will talk about the latest in financial literacy education. I'm Garth Sharif, a small business owner and financial literacy volunteer for the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. CPA Canada provides no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This episode is part of our podcast focusing on helping Ontario small businesses get through the pandemic. Our guests will help us navigate through this new world as well as provide insight on what the future may look like, including support and resources for small business owners. CPA Canada sponsor, for this Ontario Small Business Series is the Government of Ontario. Their support helps make this event possible. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at at cpacanada.ca. Today, we are joined by Jamie Smith, CPA and co-founder of Amplify Advisors, which is a consulting firm that provides services in management, consulting, and recruiting. She has spent her career helping to manage and operate a number of small owner-managed business. Jamie is here to talk today with us about how small and medium-sized business owners can go about reevaluating their business models during these uncertain times. Jamie, thanks for speaking with me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Garth. I'm excited to talk to you.
0: Well, Jamie, I, your your career is is amazing, and I'm really happy to have you here to share your experience with us. And I wanted to just start off with one part of your career, one experience that you've had working with Bear Hill Brewing. Just wanted to understand how you became involved with Bear Hill.
1: So Bear Hill is actually Amplify's first client, and it's um it's funny because We were going to launch Amplify in October of 2018, but I actually ran into the CFO at the time of Bear Hill, who who I had met when I was pregnant with my first child, and he was there um, at baby class. I ran into him casually in our neighborhood and told him about my business launch and that I was finally going to become an entrepreneur myself. And he actually said that it was just the strangest coincidence because he finally had a budget to bring in a proper um, accounting support. So within a couple weeks of that random run-in, picking up a sandwich at a local stop, um, I ended up securing our first amplified client which was Bear Hill Brewing. Really quickly after I came in as the um, financial leader in the accounting space of Bear Hill Brewing, the CFO who brought me in and was a friend of mine ended up having to leave. So I got promoted to CFO uh, within a month of being at Bear Hill Brewing, and I've been the CFO there ever since. So, just past two years, and Fairhill Brewing owns four brew pubs here in Alberta. We have the Jasper Brewing in Jasper and Banff Avenue Brewing in Banff, one in Calgary called Last Best, and one in Edmonton called um, so we've got the restaurant sides, which of course has been very interesting in the pandemic. Um, we've got 10 brands on retail shelves, and that obviously did a, did really well in the pandemic, and um, the best selling craft beer in Alberta is one of ours. And we're also a distillery, so you can guess how we pivoted, which we'll get into later.
0: It's amazing, your origin story. I like to see it, talk about it as an origin story, How a, how an entrepreneur becomes an entrepreneur, and it's always an, an amazing story of a connection or an inspiration. And you mentioned that you're going to get into the brewery uh, as a type of business that may have been, I'm just going to put may out there just to say may, but has been affected by the pandemic. And we'll be talking about your experiences with them and, and what you've had to do. And you mentioned the word pivot, and that's a big part of our discussion today. So. The next question I want to ask you as a small business owner is how did you come to the decision to become a small business owner? That meeting that you had to join Bear Hill was the start, but what what was your inspiration to go into business for yourself?
1: My co-founder and I of Amplify, we worked at Deloitte together, so one of the big four, the big professional firms that is in the world. And so we were both at Deloitte working in a consulting group. And so the opportunity to partner with him came about from meeting him there. My history was working at professional firms like Deloitte. I, I trained actually at PwC as an auditor for over 10 years. And then I had held financial leadership roles at a couple industry jobs and Jesse, my co-founder, had a similar background. He trained only at Deloitte, but he had stepped away from professional services to be a finance leader as well. Together, we were working in a consulting department and really finding that, um, obviously, from a big core competency perspective, the clients that we were meant to target and, and spend our time with were really quite large clients. and There just seemed to be an underserved market here in Alberta and actually across Canada where the mid-market and small businesses were were not getting sophisticated help. And so we really felt that there was an opportunity to bring the best of the big, as we call it, to small and medium business. So businesses that have ambitious growth and they really do need executive level financial leadership, but they can't otherwise afford it or access it. So we created Amplify Advisor where people can access very, very sophisticated help but not have to pay for that 200 plus thousand dollar salary, which is just unaffordable for businesses that are still in growth. Um, It's been pretty exciting because obviously when you work with small, medium businesses, it's very different than working with large corporations because that impact is just more of a direct line. And you can do very little things that make big, big differences. And, um, you know, it's not unusual for any of the CFOs that work for Amplify. We're a team of Uh, about 20. And, you know, it's not unusual for any of the CFOs to be accosted by a wife and told how much they're helping and how and how their spouse is, you know, finally sleeping at night and not stressed. And, you know, it's it's just exciting to be able to see a direct impact on how you make a difference in a business. And sometimes as accountants, that impact is a little less (laughs) obvious when you're working in bigger business. So it's, you know, selfishly, it's just been an amazing opportunity to actually know how you can make a difference. So that's kind of how we end up being entrepreneurs, and we've been at it for a couple of years now, and it's it's been really good. We have clients in all industries and across the province, and a few outside of Alberta as well.
0: We'll talk about this phrase, reevaluating my business model, and that might be something a lot of small business owners, including myself, I, I had to do that with my business, which was live training travel. Uh, before the pandemic that's what i did buses trains hotels and all of that stopped around the early time of the year so what does it mean to you to reevaluate my business model
1: yeah so i mean reevaluating the business model to me is going back to the basics of strategy and i think that when changes happen in your business whether they're external or internal it's always key to revisit that strategy so if I use Amplify for an example, amplify, of course, tries to follow the best practices that we tell our clients. So every quarter, our senior management team does revisit the strategy to make sure that it's still the right strategy for us and you know the story that I would tell is that with the pandemic, we did have to look at our business model and see you know where is the trends going to go and we serve uh, small, medium business as well as um, all size businesses in, in three different service lines. And so an example would be that our consulting service line, which is projects that help finance and accounting teams, when we revisited the strategy at the beginning of the pandemic, we felt that the opportunity for people to spend budgets on what they consider a cost center of finance and accounting was pretty slim, right? So to be, Putting our efforts towards consulting and trying to sell consulting in the middle of a pandemic wasn't the right choice, and so that was an example of where we had to revisit our strategy. Meanwhile, we knew that you know government programs and keeping up with uh, bookkeeping and accounting and records and transactions was really really weighing on the small medium business community. So a couple of the pivots that we did was we you know we started a helping hands. Um, initiative where we gave free CPA advice to small-medium businesses um, to support them through the program. We got involved uh, through CPA Canada with the um, Business Resilience um, Network and had people on the call center to support small-medium business through the government program. And we uh, went deeper into accounting services, which we had previously not really been offering, and that is, you know, doing more of the bookkeeping controller level assistance. So that's just an example of how Amplify had to revisit the strategy, and I think the important thing is when you reevaluate your business model, you don't want to, you know, use the word pivot, and, you know, that's like a small step in a different direction. It's not a 360 or 180 turn, because, and the reason that you use the word pivot, which, you know, we're all starting to hate that word, to be honest with you, but... um, (laughs) But uh, it's because you still want to be looking at your core competency and the clients you understand and know, and just reacting to what they need and how their changing requirements and preferences are. So still using the strength that you have, right? So you're not going to go out and do something that's entirely different than the value proposition and the corporate values that you have as a team. You need to stay true to that, but yet react to the environment that you find yourself in.
0: Jamie, that might be a challenge for a lot of small to medium business owners, right? Because they've invested in their product or service line, and they're facing this unprecedented pandemic, the effects on the economy and their business model. And there might be an emotional attachment. It might be hard. And I'm speaking for myself as well. When I looked at my business model as someone who does live training with groups of people, I, I said to myself, well, I'm done here because that's what I want to do. And some people might not see the opportunity and use that word opportunities that there are within their model. So how do you help people maybe become more flexible with what they do and to find opportunities? And I won't use the word pivot because you said maybe people are getting tired to maybe to adapt or or, or change their their model.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it comes back to exactly what you just emphasized right is that looking at it from an opportunity perspective because if we look at it from the challenges or the um, or the fear it's it is a lot harder to get out of the defensiveness of your product and your service it's a lot harder to really see where this can be a positive thing so it's important to always turn it on its head from even a language perspective and make sure that it, you're looking at it from an opportunity. And I mean, the reality is that most small business owners that we work with and we know, obviously, they're capitalists. They want to do well. They want to have value in their business. They want to make money. But those aren't really the things that have been driving them during the pandemic. The clients that we have, you know, we have we are CFOs for um, just about twenty clients and work with many other clients in other capacities. Most of their concerns are about community and being an employer. When we laid off. 310 people at Bear Hill, I can tell you that the executive, every conversation was about how to get those people employed. So, you know, if you look at the opportunity from that perspective of how are you going to contribute to that community that you're part of and those employees that you want to be busy and employed, it's a lot easier to get over the challenges of, you know, maybe giving up Services or products that you were passionate about. So, I think that's one of the big ways that people can really see it as an opportunity and charge ahead better, right? So, you know, some of the examples, if we look at, um, we have actually four distillery clients, one of them being Bear Hill that I work with, but we have three other distillers um, that we serve as CFOs. And obviously, you know, their opportunity to be putting down whiskey where there's a cash outflow yet there's no revenue in a time of a pandemic, that was challenged, right? And that's difficult because real long-term success for the distillery world is in whiskey. That's where it is. So to know that you're pausing that, that is heartbreaking to your point, guys. Like, (laughs) it's pretty tough to stop doing what you're passionate about and what you know you're great at. And, um, you know, we have some confidentiality between the four distilleries, so I don't know for a fact that they all paused it, but I... Suspect that they all would have had to pause whiskey production in this time of uncertainty. And yet, the opportunity to do hand sanitizer came about. And that truly was um, an opportunity to serve the community and give them something that they needed in this crisis of health and safety. So, you know, would they rather be living in a non COVID world, putting down whiskey? creating, you know, amazing art in the world of beverages? Yes, they would. They'd all rather do that than create hand sanitizer. But are they proud of the fact that they've created a product that's helped with the health and safety and helped the community and, frankly, employed people and earned enough revenue to pay those salaries? Yeah, that was an opportunity, and that's a great example of pivots, right? Not overly unique because pretty much every distillery did it, but it's a perfect simple example of of reevaluating your business model and reacting to
0: the times. Jamie, I really like how you frame uh, small to medium business owners, really any business owner, is that we do care about the individuals that are impacted because of our business, so that our employees, and that might be a a big motivator to look for ways to change, that we we want to help our employees. We'd rather not have them be laid off or wait for for what's going to happen next. We'd we like them to be part of this change, and that can be a big motivating factor in looking for those opportunities. And that's really interesting with the change in the, in the distillery from whiskey to uh, hand sanitizer. I mean, I've, I never thought about that myself. And to be able to find that creativity, what are elements that you would say a small to medium business owner would need to, to have to maybe find that space that they can make a change that maybe they wouldn't have seen otherwise?
1: Yeah, so I think it kind of goes back to those basics of strategy, right? So if a small, medium business owner has been too busy and running off their feet, doing great things and having success and hasn't taken the time to have that one day per quarter or one day per year even to do a proper strategy session and go through what you do, what your client and customers need, and how you're going to win, there's never been a more pressing time to take that moment and revisit things, right? And so going through that strategy process, and there's tons of great methodologies out there. Um, Amplify uses playing to win, and the main reason we use it is is it's a cascading approach, which ends up resulting in key performance indicators, so um, measurements that tell you whether you're winning or not. And that's key, right, because if you're not seeing trends in a time like right now, then how are you going to improve and how are you going to make those slight tweaks to your business model and reevaluate it? So I think that that's step number one. So for the businesses who have taken the time to develop a proper strategy and document it, they need to get back into the drawing room and You know, hopefully they come out and they validated it and they've got action points and they've got ideas of whether they're winning or not based on measurements. That's awesome. That's best case scenario. But if they haven't had the chance to document a strategy and really, really fine tune it, now is the time. Right. And thinking about how those customers and clients have changed and how you're going to have to adapt to that, still using your your strengths and your core competencies. And so one of the examples that I would give is, you know, most businesses in today's world um, have an opportunity to look at an annuity revenue stream, right? And so it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you can challenge yourself to find a way to, you know, jump into that, digital world or that subscription world. Those are trends that are very accessible to almost any business. And you can find a way to get into subscriptions or digital revenue opportunities. And both of those are scalable. So, you know, maybe there's quite a bit of upfront work, but long-term because of that annuity and annual reoccurring revenue, that can be very, very comforting to have a revenue stream that is, predictable and always there and based on scalable opportunity that's you know maybe more automated. So I think that's one example where a lot of the businesses that we work with have if they take a second to think is there anything here that we can turn into a subscription or a reoccurring revenue model? And and there is, right? Like if you're if you run an exercise studio, you can have uh, memberships as well as drop-ins, right? If you have, um, if you run a brewery, you can look at whether or not you have some kind of VIP clubs and subscriptions or membership. For Amplify, our financial leadership, our CFO contracts, our annual contracts, right? So that's a really great way to, um, to look at tweaking your business model and, and having that protection for go forward. And I think we can be really creative in terms of what industries can, can
0: tackle that. And those are great examples, Jamie. And the thing about our community, the small media business community, we, we are resilient. We are creative, but we're also emotional. And that might be the hard part right now, just to, you know, just kind of find a way to, to get past sort of the the difficulties and just see the opportunities. And I really like the idea of the community, the small media business community, inspiring each other. Um, your examples with uh, Amplify Advisors and, and, and Bear Hill, just the way in which your company have made those changes. So probably hard in terms of where you came from to make those changes from, for example, from distillery to from whiskey to to hand sanitizer, but you did them. And I think that's inspiring for some small, medium business owners that are maybe struggling to see where there can be some changes that would help. uh, Hearing your stories is is fantastic. So the next part of this, and because you are you have one business, at least in the in the restaurant industry. And when we think about the pandemic, we might think that's one of the hardest hit industries. And there are other industries, of course, that are very hard hit, travel, entertainment. But since we have an example with Bear Hill, what advice would you give to businesses that are working in the hardest hit areas or industry of the pandemic?
1: Obviously, restaurants And Bear Hill runs four of them it's pretty challenging. We have the, here in Alberta, we have the six feet or two meter rule. So right there, you're not uh, able to run your restaurants at appropriate capacity. So it's been a challenge for sure to just know that even if we're doing amazing, it's still not what our original business model was set out to be, right? So for example, because Bear Hill runs two mountain stores that are um, generally extraordinarily busy in the summer, we had to look at our business model and say, okay, what is the cash goal that we normally have under this business model? And what's a cash goal that we can achieve realistically this year? And the reality is that that cash goal for the end of the season, our top season, was 50% of what it should be based on the business model. That's what we had to target this year. And so all year long or all season, we were forecasting what our cash was going to be on September 30th and measuring to that. And that really gave us, you know, a realistic goal and a realistic um, way of measuring success. And again, it's 50 percent of what I would have expected last year and what the business model expects. But at least we have a direction and we know whether or not we're trending and succeeding in the right way. So that's one of the examples that we use. Um, But I think it goes back to that customer. So really trying to put ourselves into the shoes of the customer and making sure that if we're not going to be able to succeed in the way that we were set up to succeed, that we're at least finding the opportunity in it. So uh, another example would be all four of the communities that we worked with did have Um, extended patio opportunities. So really taking advantage of the municipal support that we were getting and making sure that we maximize that patio opportunity. And we still to this day will have people come to the door to get a seat. Um, Obviously it's now October, where if there wasn't a patio seat they weren't comfortable uh, dining in a restaurant. They only wanted to dine in a restaurant if they were able to do it outside. So one of the examples that we did Which was exciting was the NHL did their playoffs in Edmonton, as most of our listeners would know here, and so we took our entire parking lot at Campio and turned it into a beer arena. So we had a massive screen, I can't remember the measurements of it, but a massive screen and the entire parking lot was roped off with um, little areas that could only seat six people according to provincial regulations. And, you know, we well over doubled our capacity with that. And it was exciting and something different. And it felt, you know, the people that got to be at the beer arena felt like they were in a normal, <laughs> a normal situation. But it was also very, very controlled from a health and safety perspective, right? Like we're not the type of restaurant um, business where we allow the mingling between tables or anything of that sort. Like when you come to a Bear Hill uh, restaurant you we're really sensitive to what our customers need and the customers that we have uh, targeted as ideal customers are ones that they want contact tracing so we take down their name when they come in uh, we actually take temperature at most of our locations just to reinforce that we're um, validating that they don't have the symptoms and we're um, and we're obviously making sure that, our tables are at least six feet apart and there's no mingling. So that's an example of how, you know, we've taken the customer, we've recognized that that they are, they do have a sense of fear and they're conservative and they want to feel protected and they want to feel like we're following best practices in terms of the provincial regulations. And so we're doing that Um, and that's an example of how we're really taking that strategy and, and evaluating our business model based on what the customer is demanding.
0: The small, medium business community also showing resiliency, and you're, you're helping with that, uh, again, with us trying to find ways to change. And I, again, I, I'm empathetic to it, because we want a lot we want to have a lot of empathy for the small, medium business owners of what they're going through, but also their stakeholders. And I want to come back to Bear Hill, because you mentioned the number of employees that you had and, and the effect that the pandemic had in reducing the, the staff uh, there. When you talk about your model where it maybe comes to a decision that you have to potentially reduce staff or let employees go, how much of that is would you want to factor into whether you should change your business model or how much of that is something you might have to do even though there are consequences for your employees?
1: There's nothing harder than being a CFO of a small and medium business in times like now and and the impact that that can have on people's employment. and. Obviously, um, all of us as CFOs at Amplify had to have those hard conversations about what is generally the biggest expense on anybody's uh, income statement, and that is labor. And so for some of us, and as I mentioned, because we run four restaurants, it meant temporary layoffs. For others, it meant rolled back salaries. For others, it meant executives going on accruals or... Um, or just simply not receiving dividends or income during um, a period of time. I would suggest that there's very few small and medium businesses that didn't have to tackle that cost line on their income statement. Labor is extensive, and every small and medium business is is an employer first. And you know, the great majority of employees in Canada are employed by the small and medium business community. They are the biggest employers by far. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, I would give the example again of even hand sanitizer. At the end of the day, we did not make margin or um, profit off of that decision, but we employed people again, right? <laughs> and so that was enough. And that that is enough in a, in a situation like this, right? Um, so there are times where if you can do something to make those short-term revenues and bring in that cash inflow to keep the culture and the people that you have, it's that's a worthwhile venture, even if it doesn't result in um, profit at the bottom line. Um, and I think most most small medium businesses would look at things that way, and I definitely think that... You know, short-term cash inflow and short-term revenue that is not a distraction to your business, but is an opportunity to get cash in the door and allow for you to keep your culture, to keep your brand is key. And I think those are really good examples of opportunities that are worthwhile. You know, one thing that we might want to talk about, too, is when we talk about reevaluating a business model, there's a lot of stakeholders and business partners that you work with right in the small, medium business. And you talked a bit about small businesses supporting each other. And I think if ever there was a time, this pandemic is a great opportunity to really invest heavily in all your stakeholders and business partners. So uh, it is important for you. And if you haven't done it already as a small, medium business owner, I suggest that you start tomorrow. (laughs) Um, You need to have a conversation with every major vendor, And every major stakeholder, so your insurance agencies, your vendors, they should all be looking at their terms and conditions with you if it is a true business partner. Um, Your landlords, obviously, and and each and every stakeholder that you work with, you know, people that aren't coming to the table for each other, why are you in business with them then? You know, if they're not going to come to the table with you at this moment in time, then maybe you don't share the same values or ambitions after all.
0: And that's a really great point. I also, from the point of understanding your your stakeholders and what they can do and how they're going to help you and how you can help them. I think one of the things I've been really proud of, I've tried not to use the word pivot, but I've had to make a change in my business model to be completely digital and virtual. And in that change in the few months where I needed to really figure this out, I looked at the suppliers. Most of the individuals I work with are small businesses. And so when it came to website redesign, when it came to some video work, I went back to these small businesses and they helped me, but I was helping them. That was really nice to feel like small businesses were supporting because they're part of my supply chain. Um, And just to understand that as a community, maybe we can support each other and hopefully people are able to make the changes that would also help you so that you can help them.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, like if we go back to the Bear Hill example, we do contract brewing, so each of the four brew pubs brews their own beer but that's the creative research and development beer so it's the it's the funky fun things that we try out with those local communities that are really targeted towards um towards those local people that love us and and come in um but the ones that graduate <laughs> and end up on liquor store shelves those actually get brewed at two of our um, well three three different facilities two of which are arguably competitors, and we're, and we're contracting um, their capacity in their production space. And Brewing is obviously known as being a very collaborative market, so they're a little bit unique in that regard. The opportunity for those contract brewers to really look at what are the payment terms, um, what what kind of forecasting can we give you to so that you know that we're relying on you, that we're continuing to have cash outflow your direction. And, you know, and how can we pay at different timing and in different ways? Um, that was amazing that how they came to the table to support. And, you know, we're, we're fully caught up on our um, COVID liabilities that we that we were able to incur um, during early spring. And um, it's been just amazing because, you know, we sold a ton of beer over the COVID period. And if we hadn't been able to have great partners that really came to the table for us, You know, our opportunities might have been different, and we might have had made different choices. But because everyone came to the table, we were able to maximize everyone's opportunity. And um, I think it's a good example of knowing that you're really partnering with stakeholders that share your values and share your
0: ambitions. And I think it's important. Yeah, that's a great point, Jamie. And I like the word partnership. And and potentially, as you're saying, looking at Relationships that you might have seen as competitors or maybe not have thought about them in a way that would have supported your business prior to the pandemic, you might look at them differently as someone that can support you or you support them in terms of making the changes in your in your business models. So that's really, really great. So maybe to those small, medium business owners, take a look at your relationships and maybe if they were adversarial or you, you disregarded them for whatever reason, maybe now in this time you wanna reevaluate if they can be of support to you or you to them. So when we talk about the reevaluating business models, we've talked about being creative, resilient, looking at different ways to to look at your business. What happens if you really find that your attempts to make changes in your business model is is no longer viable? How would you decide to abandon it and try something else?
1: Yeah, I think that's really difficult. So, you know, one of the things I would say is just go back to that strategy and those Uh, performance measurements. And so especially if you're trying something new, you really want to have set in your head where it is that you're going to reevaluate it and what milestones or um, trends or measurements would indicate that you have a decision point in front of you, right? And so it's really tough. And I have, like, I'm going to be vulnerable and honest. This is one thing that my business partner and I struggle with sometimes is, you know, how do you stay nimble and pivot and, um, you know, reading lots about Amazon, which is just the, it's just the most fascinating business in so many ways, right? Like, how do you stay day one and 70% of information makes a decision and you fail fast or fail forward or whatever those terms are, right? How do you do that yet also give every decision and change room to breathe so that your employees trust you when you announce a change, right? Because if you're changing every day, you're going to have people that are just like, oh, when Jamie comes in the room with a new idea, give it two weeks. She'll have changed it five times by the time we have to take action, right? You can't be that entrepreneur. and God knows we're all that entrepreneur <laughs> at times. So it's really important to, to look at those decisions that you're making and talk about upfront, what are the points of decision-making going to be? Whether it's a measurement number, or a timeline, or what have you. Figure that out ahead of time, so that you can stop and pause and make the decision at that point. Because you don't want to end up with a sunk cost perspective, where you just feel like, well, I've invested so much effort, and I've, um, I've got my employees so focused on this, like I can't abandon it now. Um, I can't, I can't stop. Like, no, you can stop, but you should have that. In the plan to begin with, so that you can manage expectations, including your own expectations, right, as well as others. So, if you're making a uh, change, I would put that into the plan. Where are those decision-making points going to happen? Where you reevaluate, and um, and as you get closer to those decision-making points, you might realize that you set the wrong decision-making point because it was new, but at least that conversation started and you can have that candor without um, without it being a surprise or without you losing the trust of your customers or your employees or each other, right?
0: And that's great, I mean, trust is a big part of this. I am that entrepreneur, uh, Jamie, <laughs> so sometimes you, you You uh, leap before you look uh, in the small, medium business world. And I think that's great advice, that even if you are going to try different things, you still want to plan. You still want to understand measurements and timelines and, and have benchmarks to know that if you can continue pursuing that opportunity or if you need to make a change. Uh, it is hard as, as an entrepreneur, you know, not a tendency for all of them. I would include myself, though, as someone who gets excited about an idea and maybe goes a little bit too quickly before having things in order to at least measure if the idea is working. So that that's really great advice. So this has been fantastic, uh, Jamie. You provided a lot of good information for small, medium business owners to consider the business model, uh, be creative, look for opportunities. And we're, we're going to ask all of our guests uh, – in this program one question at the end just to keep things positive because we we understand that this is a a very difficult time for small medium businesses but there is opportunities there are things that are happening that potentially coming out of this might be a positive hopefully so we we're going to ask all of our guests this question what is one thing you would tell small medium business owners to help them stay positive during this challenging time
1: So you know it's always hard to narrow it down to one thing but I guess at the end of the day what I would ask myself and what I would ask any of our clients that are uh, founders of a business is you know why did you get into business to begin with and as I mentioned before the businesses that we work with are ambitious and they have huge growth plans. but at the core it's about being that employer and being part of the community and just because we're in a pandemic doesn't mean that we don't have an opportunity to be build a great culture of great people and serve our customers and clients well and yes we might be doing that in a (laughs) break-even business model or um or sometimes even a non-for-profit business model which most of us didn't uh, go into business for but if we've got that financial literacy and we've got that financial expertise and we're being diligent on our cash flow and diligent on our forecast and we know we have that going concern state instead of a runway state, um, then we can really focus on being that employer that we want to be, keeping the culture so that when the world gets back to normal, we are you know, building epic teams that are really going to be Prepared and available for our customers and clients and so I think that's what we have to focus on right focus on our team and our and the people that we serve and do it within forecasts that ensure that we have the cash to get it done and you know if that's not profit in the short term we have to have long-term perspectives right
0: that's great, Jamie. A really positive outlook uh, for for the small business, small medium business community to look into. And I'm also looking right now at my F9 key because I have also pressed that button a few times just to see how worn out it is on my keyboard. It's 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 worn out because um, <laughs> we have to we have to you know, make adjustments and changes. But you talked about that as well. So thanks, Jamie, for the insight, tips, and information you have provided running a business involves so many factors to consider and your help in understanding how to assess business models is so valued to our listeners you can click to the resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app please note this is a recorded podcast the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone The information presented is as current as of the date of recording. New and changing government restrictions and assistance programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. This has been another episode of Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada please rate and review us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca In these uncertain times, be well, be kind, be safe. We are on this journey together.